This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. Happy Wednesday, y'all. And if you're outside right now, don't do it. Go back inside. What are you doing? Get Get your blanket. Get your hot chocolate. There is not a day to go outside. Let me tell you what. It is freezing out there, Joe. (laughs) I was walking in this morning. What was it? Negative 16. I was walking in this morning. I took my mask off when I got... um, Or I was putting my mask on. And, like, I could feel it freezing because of the condensation from my mouth. I could feel it freezing while I was walking outside. It was disgusting. It's not pretty. If there's a Netflix series that you really wanted to catch up on... Yeah, if you've been putting putting off binge-watching a series or something... Go to it, because today I, th- I feel like everything's closed today. Indeed, but it's also a good day to listen to the MBSP podcast really as well. It's a great day for that, but lots of sports to cover today. Ferris State sports on Tuesday, including basketball action against the Lakers of Sa- or Lake Superior State. Uh, we got some more action coming up this weekend, a full action at Ingleglaben, triple header. We'll preview those as well. We can also talk NFL and NBA, including an event coming up on this podcast you're not going to want to miss out on. Joe, what's going on? We're going to have a mock draft with the boys from over uh, at Mike's and Takes. We did it a little bit last year uh, when it was over quarantine. We did the Twitch stream where each of us, I think we got six picks or something like that, just basically went over the first round and kind of picked guys who we think that would be the best fit for uh, some NFL franchise. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We had a blast last year. Very much looking forward to it this year as well. Um, We're still not sure if we're going to probably do it over Zoom, over Twitch, or what we're going to possibly, or maybe even in here, or uh, that's still kind of been going on in the works but nonetheless very excited to bring that to you yeah regardless of if we're going to stream it or not it will be on this podcast that's an a plus 10 for guarantee <laughs> so next monday check out our nfl mock draft of round one of this upcoming nfl draft it's only three two months away joe it's only two months away time's ticking it's coming time down. is ticking but as we move into fair sports uh starting off with women's basketball we got the win at Wink yesterday, 54-47 over Lake State. Not the prettiest game, let me tell you what. And just from hearing the 54-47 score, you can imagine, not the prettiest ball game. But still, it was a very good night indeed just to get the win. Um, Coach Wessendorp in his press post-game press conference had the quote that I think sums it up pretty well. Um, we didn't play great, but don't complain about winning. Because a W, a w yeah, a is w a w. W. exactly. But um, a lot, a of, lot of takeaways from this game, and I think one of them was, even though we shot the ball pretty poorly, and this, this is a funny thing, both teams shot under thirty percent. That's just how gritty and gross this game was. But the matter of fact is, that means more rebounds. We had fifty-two holy rebounds. Crap. 52 rebounds. That's the most we've had in a real long time. In a real long time. And I believe um, 12 of them, or no, 16 of them, were on the offensive glass, including we had, I believe, 4, 3, 2, 1. Doing math is hard early (laughs) in the morning. 10 offensive rebounds just from our starters. So definitely something crazy. And, I mean, we we didn't shoot the ball very well. I mean, we shot 28% from 
the floor and 26 from three. We did knock down our free throws, though. That is that is good. But um, 16 from Caden Blanchard, 10 from Mallory McCartney, 10 points from Zoe Anderson. And, I mean, Caden and Mallory had 23 combined rebounds in the backcourt. They, they were working on the offensive glass. Um, Ellie Dykstra, as well, had seven rebounds. Even though we missed... We cleaned it up and put the ball back in the hole, and that's what ended up helping us win this game. Yeah, a strong defensive showing uh, from our Bulldogs. You, you really love to see it, especially since you know rebounds can really make or change a game. As uh, I mean, we I th- like stayed at thirty-seven, so we had close to close to twenty more than they did. And I think once you get the, more of those chances and kind of having that being able to you know have like a turnover kind of on who has possession, that's going to be really turning around. I mean, uh, and a cl- a clean. Loss is worse than a messy W. That's what I always like to say. So we'll take the W. It's nice to see, uh, especially since uh, we had a little bit less luck against uh, Saginaw Valley on the second game. Good to see a bounce back and get into Purdue Northwest. Yeah, Ariel Jenkins had a lot of minutes, and I think she had 25 minutes. It was one of her season highs, I believe. She had seven points as well off the bench. It just seemed like everything, even though we weren't necessarily hitting our shots, we were getting those second chance opportunities, and that really helped us in the end to win this game. But I mean, you're, you're right. Messy W over a clean win. I think a lot of coaches would take that for sure. But uh, moving over to the men's side, um, I think it was he was just a little bit more cleaner basketball, but it sure didn't seem that way um, as far as looking into how this game went. We ended up losing this game, 84 to 82, mm-hmm. at, up at Lake State. Tough loss. I mean. There was some there was some positives out of it for sure, but I you can't really like point it on anything. It's just Lake State played just as good as us, and they they beat us down the stretch. Mm-hmm. They're basically the exact same team. I mean, we didn't play the two games in Saginaw, but I think if we did, we'd basically be having the same record mm-hmm. um, because we're both a 500 team in the GLIAC. Uh, I knew coming into this game it was going to be probably tough because didn't we we won last time that we played them, but it was still a very close game. So I knew it was going to basically just be exactly the same type of game. Um, but you really got to give it to some of these guys who we haven't really been seeing showing out too much. I mean, Ben Davidson had 24 points. He went off. He had four threes, uh, and then he went nine for 19 from the field as well. So you really like to see that because he really popped off. And Dang as well, almost 20 points. We're usually accustomed to see him maybe get double digits, but to see him go off is pretty good. It's uh, pretty good to see as well. And then Vejas Grzulius with 10, and then Walt Kelzer too had a little bit of an off day with 15, but it doesn't matter because the guys were able to pick it up. Just not able to get the win which is kind of tough to see yeah and actually we lost the the game against lake state the first time actually i i was there i don't know i don't know how i, I, I missed that i was literally there i forgot that we, we went up losing that game by 11 at wink but um that was the game that we just could not shoot it like seemed like at any point like we were three of 20 from three we just could not shoot so that that pretty much dug us into a hole pretty quickly but I mean still I mean a loss against Lake State is tough one because uh, I'm we see ourselves better as Lake State and the record showed that going into this game but it, it is what it is you just gotta we just gotta move on because I mean last time this happened when we had that blip against Lake Lake State um back on uh, the 26th February um, that was the next series. Then we swept Tech and then split with GV, who was one of the best teams too. So this could be this could be set up for a little bit of a a little bit of a wake up call, and then we can kick it into gear and we can take it to Purdue mm-hmm. Northwest this weekend. Uh, that's those games are at four o'clock. I believe the women are also going down to Purdue. 
Um, it should be interesting because, I mean, volleyball will be in action for the first time this weekend. They're going to have their debut. Um, they played a they played a scrimmage, I believe, as long as it stayed on schedule, I believe, last week against GV. Um, but they're at home. They're going to take on Northern in the series opener. Those will be at 2 o'clock on Friday and Saturday. And then hockey as well. Um, we already mentioned how this might go in hockey, but it's not looking promising on paper since we're going to be playing the number three as of now. Team in the it nation. It could go up to two. Uh, Minnesota State, um, that'll be at 7 o'clock on Friday and Saturday. I believe tickets will be up for sale if you want to go to the hockey game. Ew. Go get some tickets. They've been but, doing kind of – Ferris has been doing a couple of promotions for that too. I mean, you get – you can get tickets, and I think you're like integrated to a drawing or something like that. I think that was for last time. I think something like that. Yeah. But if you want to watch your Bulldog hockey team, go get some tickets. I believe they're on sale, I believe, near the end of this week for, I think they're $5 for yeah, students. Limited supply, maybe more. first come, first serve. Yeah, go, you're, yeah, you're going to have to go get them, that's for sure, because they, they do run out real quick. Because I think there's a set number as well, because of obviously, only have so many people with COVID protocols, but mm-hmm. I think some people will be grateful to even have the chance to go to a game, and not any at all. But um, then we also have tennis in action Friday against Walsh, is that correct, Joe? Walsh. Yes, yes, Walsh. Walsh. They'll be taking on Walsh um, in a, I believe that's a, is that a, just a duel or is that a invitational? I think it's just a duel because I don't okay. see any other teams and it's 2.30 on a Friday. So. Gotcha, 2.30 on a Friday. Is that, is that at Walsh? No, here. It is here. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So tennis and actually, it's a big sports center. weekend at, here on Everybody's going to be in Big Rapids to, or this weekend. That's crazy, but... That that is going to be exciting. I, I'm excited. I know. I, I'm. I've obviously been working with athletics, and I'm sure I'm going to have a, a lot of work to do this weekend. A full but slate this a weekend. A full slate this weekend. But you know what? It's all right because a full slate is better than no slate. That's true. Ain't that the truth, my friend? But anyway, moving on, we got some some NFL to discuss. Um, obviously, we have our mock draft coming up on on Monday next week, so make sure to tune into the feed for that and follow us on social media if you haven't already at the MVSP on Instagram and Twitter, where you can get all the notifications and news with this podcast. But um, some recent news: um, JJ Watt is out of Houston, mm. and there's a lot of rumors surfacing around where he may go, and According to Instagram, on his page, DeAndre Hopkins posted a nice post of a photoshopped Cardinals jersey with J.J. Watt saying, let's finish what we started. Joe, J.J. Watt is a Cardinal. How possible is this? Do the Cardinals have enough money? <laughs> That's like the main question because I don't know I don't know how much J.J. Watt is going to be asking, but I definitely think it's going to be a lot um, if DeAndre Hopkins wants him there and he puts in a good word, I feel like Cardinals will probably go after him. But I don't really know if J.J. Watt or even like if a lot of these other teams that are really vying for him are going to let that happen. Because I know the Steelers, the Steelers are a possibility. Um, I think there's a couple other words. The Colts one too. But I know that I think the Browns the, are interested. The Browns are interested as well. But I think the Steelers are one of like the main uh, teams vying for him. And I think once you get uh, all the all the Watt brothers on one team, and then it's going to be basically game over for any type of offensive line that's going to try to block all of them. Um, but I don't know. I like the idea of him going to Cardinals because I think that'll be a solid uh, showing, especially since they need some work on the defensive side. Since their offense is solid, it's just their defense has just been the one that's a little bit lacking and been the ones that have kind of lost them a lot of games. 
But if you bring J.J. Watt in there, you'll probably have to bring some other people to kind of compliment him on the defensive side. And But I think that'll be a good start for them. I just don't know if they'll have enough money or the assets to get him over here. Yeah, I'm looking at some of their... They're, they're at about $167 million right now with um, with cap space, I believe, with the total. It's it's going to be basically somewhere around that 170 probably with... With all the ex- with the with extra bonuses and stuff considered off the side as well, but um, mm-hmm. you got Chandler Jones, who's their their number one moneymaker at twenty one point three million. You got Patrick Peterson, you got Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously as well. Uh, Buda Baker has put gotten a extension by what I've been concerned, and they're also going to be considering if they're going to be paying Kyler Murray as well because I believe he's only on a smaller deal. He's at eight million right now, mm-hmm. so. I think they're. I can't remember exactly what the the cap is coming into this year. I is it still in the works right now? I'm not quite. I'm not quite sure. I'll fact check that. But I think I mean, it still is though. Yeah, I th- I think it's somewhere around. Uh, I think it's somewhere around like 180, 190, something like that. I mean, obviously it changes every year, um, or pretty close to it, but. Um, this says 185 million. I don't know how true that is, um, but I think th- I think they have a little bit of space. Honestly, like I think they they have an. I would think yeah, they have 19 million according to SpotTrack.com, which is a, a website that tracks all the teams' salaries and salary caps and compares them. They have about 19 million. The Cardinals do in cap space, 19 and a half technically. Mm-hmm. So there there is a slim window. They do have so there is a possibility that they could they could fork up a little bit of money. They might have to let go of some assets to make that happen. But I mean, when you look at some other players that they have, like you might put off and you might franchise tag Kyler Murray for a year just to make that happen or work something out to the mm-hmm. point where other teams may be like, oh, or or other players may be like, oh, I'll fork up a couple couple million for to bring JJ here like I want to win mm-hmm. like a lot of people are like that so I mean there there's plenty there's plenty of opportunity I think to bring bring JJ Watt I mean that would bring in an elite pass rusher that's been an NFL all pro and I mean when you look at some of the guys they have they I mean they got guys like Jordan Phillips um you got other guys like really like Zach Allen and really outside of that like defensive line wise there's not a whole lot in Arizona. Like they they could use some upgrades on defense because I mean their offense is what's made was making them an elite contender. When you got Ky- or Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk has been doing very well. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like they have opportunities to to bring some pass rush. They got some. They're they're building that defense a little bit. You bring in a veteran like JJ Watt that can lead this team. That that could be a great position for success. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you, Brandon, because bringing him in, that's really going to probably try probably change the culture of the defensive side and kind of bringing that veteran is going to help as well, developing a lot of those guys. But another guy that I saw that was um, kind of caught my eyes where Richard Sherman is going to go. I know his contract is up with the 49ers, and people are speculating where he's going to go if the Niners are going to try to sign him again, especially with trying to compete with uh, – uh, what's been going on with uh, that uh, that division so far uh, with the recent signings of other teams. But one uh, team that I thought might be able to use him was the Raiders, um, especially since they're kind of still on the cusp of being a great team, but they just need some defensive uh, 
I guess factors to really make a difference in the game. But him and Gus Bradley's defense, I thought was gonna would probably be pretty well, especially since he is one of the best quarterbacks that we've seen uh, in these past couple of years. Yeah, and I think the big thing was like the Browns were went out and like said like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna go get him, we're gonna go get Richard Sherman, and everyone's like, oh my goodness, the dog pound was about to go ballistic, get some help in the sec, like get some more veteran depth in the secondary, mm-hmm. and then two days later, everyone said, wait. What? No, this isn't happening. So he's not going to Cleveland. Sorry, Browns fans. He's probably not going to Cleveland because they're not expected to pursue him. But, I mean, it's still interesting because, I mean, like, that defense is kind of like, like, that's a hard, obviously they didn't have a great year last year. Injuries are 100% one of the big reasons why. They couldn't get their whole starting lineup on the field. They were playing a lot with second string, and they were still playing pretty good. I mean, they were better than the Lions with first string. Yeah. Well, that's not the point. But they have a good defense there. Like that that defense helped them take them to the Super Bowl just a year ago. Like they were they were winning the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And then the whole comeback it's hard to keep up four quarters against Patrick Mahomes. We've seen that a lot from teams this year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, regardless, it's kind of a bittersweet if Richard Sherman wanted to leave just because like that's a really good defense right there, and that's some that's a good defense that you can have a lot of, lot of um, say in. I guess you could say because he is one of the veterans in that defense. Because there's a lot of upstart guys. You got like Nick Bosa there. You also got um, DeForest Buckner. Like you or wait, whoa! I almost messed that up. He's for the Colts now. Yeah. Anyway, there's still a lot of veteran leadership that Richard Sherman can bring to that team and if he does leave which he he could I mean he's a free agent he can do whatever he wants but there's still a lot of other good options Raider is one a Raider is a Raiders I should say wow is a good option but I think there's also some other good options I mean the Browns made a lot of sense but they said no to that so uh, I mean he could even go and if he wants to get paid because um I would say that he's not necessarily towards the end of his career, but definitely kind of going that direction because yeah. I, I, he's probably in the back half of his career now. Like he's not the same as he was in LOB. So I think that's going to be something that if he wants to get the money, like now is going to be the time because I'm sure there's going to be teams willing to bring him in. I mean, heck, if he wanted the money, like Jags and Jets have over 70 million cap space that yeah. they're willing to use. So I mean, there's definitely that possibility, but. The Colts also, this is bonkers. Like, the Colts are a very good team. They have $78 million in cap space. $78 million. Technically, that's just just alone the top 51 cap space. They also they only have, like, sixty about 69 total, but still. Yeah. They have the third highest cap space in the NFL, and they just made the playoffs. The other, two, the other four teams around, New England, Cincinnati, New York, and Jacksonville. Indianapolis is not one of those four teams. That is yeah, not they are comparable. Not, it's it's very interesting to see what the success they've been able to do with how much money they have left over. And it's I wonder what really big moves they're gonna make, especially with how much money they have like because what do they really need? Because I mean I mean, I guess a quarterback, but like they can probably just pick one up in the draft or I don't know what quarterbacks are on free agency right now. Uh we got let's see Carson Wentz. Um, you could say Deshaun Watson, really, if you, but that's going to be a trade regardless. Yeah, that'll be a trade. I mean, that, that, then you got the rumors going around about Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. Like, it's just... Oh, I forgot Dak Prescott's contract it's is just, up. It's just bonkers. I don't know if they will go with Dak Prescott, especially since his ankle is basically turned 180 degrees. 
<laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, but also, Richard Sherman did say, uh, I forgot to mention this, that he's looking to be, um, is going to be probably the his last two years in the league. These next two years are going to be the last really? ones in his league, is what he said. Now, that's what he told Stephen A. Smith on his show when he had an interview with him. Um, but I think that wherever he wants to go, it's probably going to be a contender if he doesn't or if he decides he does not want to stay with San Fran. Because San Fran is a pretty good situation. But if he wants to end his career on the high note, he's probably going to have to look at a contender. And, I mean, there's a lot of teams that could probably use some defensive help as far as being able to make a run. I mean, you could throw in Buffalo. Could mm-hmm. use in a little bit more defensive help. to Because, I mean, they've used to – they've had a really good defense. That's the reason they've been good the last couple of years. Now they find they got Josh Allen. They got that offense developed with Stephon Diggs. Now they're an elite offense. They can bring that defense back to the level. They could play against anybody in the NFL. So yeah. that could be that could be a logical option. But, I mean, there's there's a lot, a lot of options for, for a guy like Richard Sherman. Because, I mean, he could take a, a backup role and play situational downs for sure. But it's going to be really interesting to see just because there, there's a lot of directions that can, he can go. And, I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to start dumping a lot of players, especially before the draft, because they're going to have so much. Like, there's team, there's about four, five, six, seven teams that are over $10 million debt in cap space. Like, they're going to have to dump some guys. So it'll be interesting to see because, I mean, the, the salary is something that I think a lot of people don't fully grasp when they look at players being released or traded or whatever because I mean at the end of the day if you if you have too much or if you have too much money you're giving out and not enough to give it to them that's going to bring problems and you're going to have to terminate contracts and it's going to make you look very unprofessional yeah you're not going to be able to build a lot of uh a lot of good uh relationships with those players that you're going to have to cut on stuff like that but um you're talking a little about the New York Jets being one of those teams that has a lot of cap space. Uh, one thing that I was thinking possibly for Juju, if he doesn't decide to stay with the Steelers or if the Steelers decide to part ways with him, he might be able to go there, kind of give Sam Darnold or whoever they decide to pick up as a quarterback in the draft uh, another option other than Chris Hogan because <laughs> they need someone who's not. Did you know, uh, this is so funny you brought this up, Chris Hogan is retiring from the NFL. I saw this really? on a report. He's retiring. He's going to go play. In the Premier Lacrosse League, what he's a because he, apparently like there was wasn't he he went to college for lacrosse first he did didn't he? and I was I forgot about that and he said I'm retiring from the NFL and I'm gonna go play lacrosse so now they don't even have Chris Hogan <laughs> they have Jamison Crowder and that's it well no there's they have Denzel Mims too and oh, Chris yeah. Herndon but well I mean still. but still that's not any like elite players that we've been able to like see over the past like and I mean Chris Hogan was their top receiver basically kind of like the main target kind of, most of the he's time he's the most reliable target yeah. I can, yeah so like now if you get Juju Smith-Schuster in there that'll probably give him a little bit better of a situation and they have the money to get him because you said what do you say they have oh, yeah. more than they have plenty so them much the, money them in Jacksonville you can anticipate throwing a lot of big numbers at some players that might not necessarily get um the those numbers but that is a good point because like Juju's kind con- like he's a free agent right now. Yeah, like twenty twenty one, he's give wide him some, open. Give him, give him like sixty million or something like that. Like there's something I, you I, can't to me. Give that'd him at be least crazy like, for him, him to get that much money because like I mean there was rumors that the yeah. Raiders wanted him. If and, you give um, him like sixty or fifty million and then like half of that guaranteed, 
I feel like he he wouldn't want to pass that down because that's so much money. But yeah. also, be, it's a jet, so I don't know if he really want to go there from a from a fraudulent. Now if you get Deshaun Watson. Mm. That can bring but, in a lot of free agent guys because I'm sure they would. I don't love know if the to. Jets would though because they have so much stuff that they need to work on. That giving away what the Texans want because what do the Texans want? They want like a lot of first round picks, second round picks, and money. Well, the Texans, the the Texans are gonna have to realize at some point that they're gonna have to go lower than what they in want this, into the season. And if they don't get them, like if Deshaun Watson's on the roster. He's most likely going to sit because he's made it clear from this long that he wants out. And he, I could see him being a guy that would possibly sit. And we, we talked back to about um, guys like Le'Veon Bell that sat out um, and then ends up going to the Jets. And then you got Melvin Gordon with that whole situation just to go to Denver and get less money and get less touches. So it's kind of a really interesting situation now because, like, you never like they may be able to figure it out with Watson, but I think when you have the you see a f- like an idea around like now Deshaun Watson or I'm sorry JJ Watt is released, then you got movement in the front office like their their executives are literally like leaving. That's a red flag. Like there's something t- terribly wrong going on. Like to me that that they just need to start over. But it's going to be the guys that have already been there. Let's bring up Jack Easterby, the GM, who's mm-hmm. really been hands-on with this whole situation. If there's there's guys that don't want to play f- play for this team, like what's he going to do with them? Is he going to keep them on and have them sit out, or is he going to stick his foot in the ground and say, "All right, this is we're going to start over then"? So I, it's going to be a really tough situation. But if Deshaun Watson does get moved, I think there's going to be a lot of free agents that are probably going to follow him. I mean, you bring up like I, I mean, to me. It'd be an absolute slam dunk if Miami got that and somehow got Devontae Smith with him. And then you bring in a guy like Juju, and now that team's a, a contender for sure. Oh, but yeah. that's not going to – if they're going to get Deshaun Watson, they're going to give up two, three first-round picks for sure. So that that wouldn't be an option unless they traded back up for some reason. But it would definitely – like I would love to see like a guy like Devontae Smith play with Deshaun Watson, but – the reality is that probably won't happen, so it's going to be one or the other type of thing. But, I mean, the Jets could also, they could draft a receiver if they like where Sam Darnold is. Not saying they are, but they could. Like, there's a lot of possibilities in this draft, and I'm, I'm excited for this mock draft coming up because I think it's going to be really interesting to see the shakeup of these teams. Yeah, I'm very much excited for that, too, because it's going to be... Especially because, I mean, Travis and Barrett last year, they had a couple of picks that were a little bit surprising. I mean, us two, we had a couple of picks that were surprising. But also to kind of see what it's going to shake out with this whole free agency thing, kind of play GM a little bit, see what we can do to kind of make a splash. I feel like that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Didn't you pick DPJ in the first round last year? I can't remember. I feel like I did. But I, like I, did. Did. I think I picked him to the I know Browns. Rodrigo Blankenship got taken number 32 to the, the Super Bowl Chiefs, but... That was just for kicks and giggles. So, hey, the kicker in the first round, you never know. But now to move into our newest segment. We debuted it last week. It's time for the MV3. We are going to name our top three running backs currently, not all time, currently in the NFL. Do you want to go one through three for each of us, or do you want to go three and then two and then one for each? We can go three, two, one. Three, two, one. Okay. Uh, do you want to start? I'll, I'll go first. I All think right. I was looking over at my 
top three, but my third would probably be, I'd say Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's three? Yeah. Really? Okay. Wow. Not going to lie, I did not expect that at all. Uh, he did not make my top three. I would really? <laughs> no. Oh, I love Nick Chubb. He's great. Right? He's a great back. I'd probably put him probably about five, five or six, but he, I would not put him three. Yeah. I put him top three mainly because... Uh, Wait, cause he went. Was he the one that went out? It was him and Kareem Hunt. Was he? He was the one that went out for a while. Yep. I feel like if he played every single game, then it would have been a difference. And I've, I mean, he still kind of picked it up when he came back. He still played really well. And I mean, he had 12, 12 TDs last year, uh, uh, one hundred fifty receiving yards. Um, especially for a running back, that's really good to see. And then I mean, he had I think one hundred ninety attempts, and he had over a thousand rushing yards in the short amount of time that he had. So give him more, he probably would have had close to two, probably close to 1500 1600 yards most likely and i think you just got to give him that because he for the for the limited amount of games that he had he just showed production yeah i think looking at my my ideal list that i'm putting in my head i have him hit six i don't think he's top three worthy but he's i would i would argue he's one of the most underrated backs in football i think that's a i think that's a fact i think that's a good that's a good pick for a run like if you were a franchise and you got a guy like Nick Chubb, you're going to be satisfied. Yeah. I don't think he's top three, but I, I respect your opinion. Now we, we can go on. My number three is going to be, this is tough for me because we haven't seen him at full potential in a long time, but at full potential, I think it's got to be Saquon Barkley. I think with his abilities to be able to run the ball. And I mean, you look at back at all the things that he did, especially his rookie year with, he's had no offensive line. Like he's turning, he's, kind of looking like a Barry Sanders trying to do everything out there and he's still doing it being able to put over 2,000 yards 15 touchdowns in his first year like that that just shows when he's at full strength he's one of the best backs in the league and I think with the gifted body the ability to run through guys being able to still use his agility and his speed his jumping ability he's one of the best athletes the game has really ever seen him just putting him at the running back position he's made the Giants competitive and that should put him in the top three yeah, but the crying part about because what he tore his ACL, right? Right. I mean, he, I, there's the injury concern. Where you're definitely gonna have to watch out for him, especially now since he has that. If he's gonna have to kind of tone it back a little bit, or how how long is he gonna be able to play 100 percent after the after the injury until he stresses it again or basically aggravates it or tears it once more? So, I I would I I was actually thinking about putting him in my top three too when I was first starting that, but that was one of my main concerns is coming out of this injury, probably this upcoming year and the next year, how long is it going to take till he gets to 100% and to back to where he was uh, when he was first playing in kind of his rookie year and this year, and then come to now when, if if he aggravates it again, how many times he's going to be able to kind of rehab it, come back from it, and then be able to play well. Yeah, I I, to- I tossed that one up, and I think just just his ability, and I mean, I there's also somebody on this list, spoiler alert, that might be similar in that at- attribute, and I think that we would probably... Do you have him in your top three? Let me stop right there and see who your number two or n- number two is. My top two are pretty, pretty basic. My number two is probably Dalvin Cook. Really? Okay. Yeah. Dalvin Cook. Oh, man. All right, Dalvin Cook's my number five, and but my number two is very similar. It's Derrick Henry, but number two is Derrick Henry. Yes, I want to know who your number one is. Why don't you put Derrick Henry in your number one? Derrick Henry not at number one because I am a personal absolute fan of what that num- my number one guy brings to the table, and I think he's definitely. Wait, who's your number one, real quick? Who's your number one? Who do you think it is? 
Let me guess, Alvin Kamara? No, no, not Alvin Kamara. Oh, I didn't know about because of your uh, um, fantasy team. I maybe that was like your. Well, that was he was my number. He was the number one fantasy <laughs> player last year. Not he's not my number one running yeah. back in the NFL. It's gotta be McCaffrey. McCaffrey? Yeah, Christian McCaffrey. To be honest, I totally forgot about Christian McCaffrey, but I could he if I could probably restructure it, I would probably put him at like number three or number two. Okay, because he he does like do really well. It's just he like it's basically the same thing as Saquon. He doesn't really have an offensive line too much. Yeah, I and he doesn't really have anybody to work around. Yeah, so it's basically him just doing everything. Yeah, it's his ability to to run and he's his ability to me to play tough despite his size, and then he's got one of the the most. Agile, speedy. He's got like all, he's got he's every so fast. he's got every fine tune skill to where you put him in open space. He's lethal, and we saw that at Stanford, and we saw that with the Panthers when he's on the field. Then again, that's what brought me to the Saquon point. Is like I'm going a little bit more off of um, concrete skill, concrete attributes, the ability to run, um, catch, and do all these sort of things that like. Those are concerns because I mean, if you if you made me have like a, they are healthy at this certain time and you're certain going into the season there's not gonna be any injuries, then I would probably point elsewhere. You'd I'd put in guys probably more like Chubb, Kamara, and you would have other guys like that. But I I think I mean it's hard for me not to put McCaffrey as number one just because I absolutely love watching McCaffrey play him leading yards and scrimmage and being able to catch passes like a receiver day after day. Yeah. It's just it's so it's so mind blowing and like it was like having Derrick Henry at number one, I'd I'd have a respect for you to make that that thing and he's my number two because the dude is one of the most powerful, grittiest runners I've ever seen and the dude is absolutely massive and can run through anybody at any given time and his ability to change games is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But to me, it w- it wouldn't just sit right to know one of my favorite players. Christian McCaffrey is not my favorite running back and number one running back in the NFL. I'm gonna, it, oh, I'll I'll, oh, I'll oh, change. It. I'll agree with you. It? I'll agree with you on oh. Christian McCaffrey for the main. I'll say they're t- he's tied with Derrick Henry for one. I feel like Derrick Henry's a stronger and better runner. Okay, you can put for that you main put reason. Derrick Henry but at one. D- Derrick Henry, I think he didn't even have any receiving touchdowns last year. Right, and I think he had like less than like a hundred, or he just about a hundred receiving yards. So it's like I think McCaff- I know McCaffrey when he is able to get into open space and he can catch the ball and he can get like a lot of receiving touchdowns, but that's the one thing that I would say that they both. Pl- Derrick Henry is a stronger runner, but Chris McCaffrey is a better receiver. I feel like. I th- well, I mean, I think that's fair. I like the overall skill set of McCaffrey a little bit more than like Derrick Henry. Like if I was a coach and I had to yeah. choose between the two. For my style of preference, I would 100% pick McCaffrey because I think yeah. he would fit what I'd want to do. But yeah, but the one crappy part with Derrick Henry is like since he's main, the main source of Tennessee's offense, you can kind of blame him for a lot of the losses if he's been if he gets shut down. But that's also the one thing is like teams really are like, how are we going to stop Tennessee? And it's like, oh, it's just Derrick Henry. So if they just plug up the middle and basically just stop him from getting more than 100 yards r- uh, rushing, like that one, who who did they play that one week where he only had 40 yards rushing? Uh, you, Is that the Ravens? What, yeah, I think it was the Ravens. Yeah, I think it was. 
That, like, that's the thing that was there's, like there's no offensive production from Ryan Tannehill. So I think that's the one like flaw you could say for Derrick Henry is is like when he gets shut down, that's basically it for Tennessee. Like you can't really chalk up a W. You basically have to just count as a loss. But I mean, Mans had two thousand rushing yards, seventeen rushing TDs. I mean, he was just a monster. Yeah, that's the one thing that I have a dock on Derrick Henry is when he's shut down between the tackles running the football, he doesn't have that that explosive game changing ability in the passing game where you got McCaffrey that has had had over 2,600 yards in four seasons as a running back. And granted, last year, he played three games. So the fact like he has the, that ability to k- do it all out of the backfield and be able to catch, run, and be agile quick and be able to be a playmaker year after year. I mean, having over two, almost 2,000 yards in consecutive seasons in 18 and 19, mm-hmm. to me, that that that's just a little bit of a... Now, it's no doc on Derrick yeah. Henry, little but that's just a, a little over. bit of a notch I, up, yeah, yeah, you can honestly make the argument of flipping him back and forth of who's the better one, but yeah. I think more as a running back standpoint... Just for running, that's why I got to put Derrick Henry there. Yeah, but I think that's fair. But I mean, there's way. so many other good ones too. Like you can throw in that we didn't even mention either. Like you got guys up and like Austin Eckler could be one of the best next up and coming players when he's yeah. it's just last year he had I mean, that, Aaron Jones that injury. Too. Aaron Jones is in there. Um, thinking on the top of my head, I. If whoever said, I heard somebody say Melvin Gordon was up in there, and I was just, oh, man. J.K. Dobbins was all right. I, I mean, I think Dobbins it's just could be, be another guy that could be up there. He's a rookie. You got to give him time. Yeah, I mean, if he gets the free reins, like he's going to be able to do a lot of great yeah. things. But I think he could probably turn into like a like a Christian Christian McCaffrey type player. Yeah, I mean, we, we I mentioned Kamara. I think he's just on the outside looking in. I mm-hmm. think he's he's four on my list, and then I'd have Cook and and yeah. I have five. Him, he's definitely in my top five. Yeah, Joe tomorrow. Mixon. It can also be kind of. He's kind of similar to. Uh, he's not to the skill and caliber of Barkley. I think and it's more just McCaffrey. the team that he's on to. Yeah, that also doesn't help. But there's time. He's Joe Mixon's too inconsistent to be one of the top running backs yeah. in the NFL because he's had games where he's put up 250 yards and then 20 yards. Like yeah. I, I should know. I've had yeah. him on fantasy too. It's, a, last it's five a little years. bit kind of like Derrick Henry, but it just happens a little bit more often. A little but bit more often. Regardless, Brandon. One thing we haven't talked about in a while on the show is a little bit about NBA. We kind of haven't been. That's kind of been on the back burn a little bit for us so uh, a couple games that we've kind of been able to talk or want to be able to talk about is just kind of a recap of what's been going on kind of yesterday in the past co- or past week uh, in the NBA but um, I guess to start off Celtics and Nuggets they played yesterday uh, that was a pretty good game 112-99 the Celtics won I thought the Nuggets were going to be able to win they've kind of been on a little bit of a I wouldn't say a dry spell it's not they're not the same but they team. haven't just been playing as good no, they they just haven't been the same team. It seems like like they've been, like pr- people probably on the show know that I I really love the Denver Nuggets and like they're one of my f- favorite sleeper teams to pick in the West and for good reason. They have a great team, but I mean like they just really seem like they struggle at times. Like it's just kind of a, a rough go of the road. I mean they they've got they've got some fantastic players. Like they got Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray. Uh, you got Michael Porter Jr., who he really had a, a rough night last night. Like, he was 0 for 8. But, like, the, the, the fact is, like, Denver has the ability to beat teams. Like, we saw it in the bubble where they played spoiler many times. But I don't – it's just really hard to see, like – exactly what's wrong with them i mean you got to give credit to boston because like they they just straight up outplayed them in the stretch so being able to being able to come in 
and take on a team like Denver that has every right to play spoiler and hold them off was absolutely huge. I mean, Denver or Boston played really well in the second half, and that's really the reason they won that game. But, I mean, really, like... Denver just hasn't had as much production off the bench as they, they've used to having. Like they, They're relying on their starters a lot. They're relying on a guy like Jamal Murray who can be, I wouldn't necessarily say like streaky, but he, he's one of those guys like if he gets hot, he gets hot, and if he gets cold, he gets cold. There's really no in between. Yeah. So like that, just relying on those guys, like you're going to have nights like this where they don't have as, as much production from those guys, and Boston being able to have a consistent, consistent threat off the bench with guys like Tatum, Brown, Kemba Walker that are very consistent, that's going to bring you a winning a winning team. And like Boston, yeah. give them credit because like right now they just squeaked themselves up above five hundred. Now they got they got a shot to really push their way up in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm assuming. Kind of, assuming they make it, yeah. Because Denver, Denver, I mean, it's surprising because they're only they're only three games above five hundred compared to like. The kind of run they made last year in the bubble when they kind of were really winning a lot of games, and now they're just kind of more of a middle of the pack team rather than ones that are kind of leading the West. But also, the West is one of the toughest; it's probably way tougher than the East. And Celtics are one of the better teams in the East. But another game, Trailblazers and Thunder. Uh, it was Dame time uh, yesterday. Dame time. <laughs> Dame time. Dame time. Uh, he had 31 points. Uh, he kind of 31, almost a triple double. 31 points, 10 assists, seven rebounds. He played really well. But I mean, they're playing the Thunder, so it's kind of you. You probably should win against the Thunder, especially since they don't have Stephen Adams anymore and they don't have Chris Paul. So it's kind of a depleted team. But nonetheless, they get the W. Uh, I mean, there's not really much more to say. Yeah, Dame was he was he was lethal from from deep. I believe he was. Uh, He's around like forty percent, right, from three yeah. in the game. Yeah, he he shot very well. Um, definitely a lot of outside looks. I think he even took one from like thirty-five feet. So he was probably he was feeling it. Um, that might have been near the end of the quarter, but I mean, forty-eight uh, percent overall. He was twelve of twenty-five. He got to he got to the rim a lot too. So him being able to to be able to shoot from outside and drive inside. Um, it's it's really it's really a good situation for the Trailblazers when he's hot because you don't have to rely on a lot of other guys and especially right now without CJ McCollum like they're gonna have to rely on Damon a little bit more than usual but I mean there's you got to give credit there's been other guys that have stepped up as well um, not only like not only during the season but in this game in particular as well I mean there there was a lot of guys that put in a lot of production Derek Jones had 13 points Gary Trent has been. Like I don't, I don't even know if I knew who Gary Trent was going into this season, but he had 19 last night. You got Nasir Little with 13, 15 from Anthony Simmons. Those guys being able to contribute is huge, especially without with the loss of CJ McCollum as of now. Uh, we're hoping he comes back. Um, I sure hope so because he's on my fantasy team. So <laughs> I hope he comes back ASAP. But and then you got also you got Mello as well. Um, the real Mello. Well, I might point out Carmelo Anthony. Mello. Yeah, uh, he had 10, of course. He was four or 14. Not his great. The greatest night and Enos Canner didn't really have a good night but those guys contributing off the bench it's huge and that's what gave them the win against a very very good Thunder team at times like they're they, they can be slept on yeah. they don't have as many superstars but that doesn't mean you can't win yeah I mean they put up 100 points so you know that they can get the job done but uh, nonetheless if you don't have that superstar depleted team it's going to be it's going to be tough for them to get a lot of wins against some teams that you know have multiple but another game, Lakers Timberwolves. Kind of expect this game to happen. Uh, Lakers won 112 to 104. Uh, LeBron just did what he did, almost a triple double, uh, 30 with 30 points, 13 rebounds. Um, 
But you know, Lakers they're twenty two and seven, and Minnesota has basically the same record except flip flopped. So, <laughs> yeah, I did notice that when I looked at the records. But yeah, it's I mean the Lakers. I didn't think it was gonna be this close. I'll give Minnesota that, but yeah, that that was something interesting. But um, I mean like this game was was this game at the Staples Center? Um, let me look. I think, I think it was. I believe so. Wait for Let me look it up. Let me look it up. Let me look it up. Bad anyway, radio. Bad, bad radio. I mean, like, LeBron's just been an MVP. It's sad because M- he's an MVP candidate every single year, but just the fact that we're used to it, like, we look elsewhere. So the fact is, LeBron James is one of the best players, and if not the best basketball player in the game right now. And I think a lot of people wouldn't argue with that. At least put him in the top three. Then you got everybody's respect, I guess. But I mean, the fact is, like, They've been hot the last ten. They're eight. And t- they're eight and two in their last ten contests, and they've been on a roll. And being able to get guys like Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell in the offseason, Marcus Saul, really bringing that team together and really being able yeah. to have depth. Uh, it's it's just been huge. It was at Minnesota, by the it way. It was at Minnesota. Okay, that even proves my point. Like the Lakers have been a great road team this year. Not as great at the Staples Center, but they've been great on the road. I believe they're the one of the best teams in basketball, if not the best, on the road. They're thirteen and three outside of the Staples Center, and I think Dang. the only team that can compete with that is um, also in, in the conference with Utah, who's on a ballistic. They are just. Did you see Ooh. the Did you see the clip of them uh, being just like swinging the ball around? I think yes. they had like five passes. Yeah, and then D- D- or, uh, Bogdanovich behind the back midair, and then Mitchell cross court hook pass all the way over to Ingles for a three. That yeah. just showed you how I'll, they're that's they're one insane thing that right I, now. That's one thing that I really love about uh, the Jazz is like they're really bringing back because like nowadays you don't really see a whole lot of like really moving the ball around and stuff you more see Team kind of like basketball you really see point guards driving flashy pass or just a quick pass to the guy down low or just to a kick out and then you get a, a open three or you get a contested three try to get three rebound and you just go over it trying to do it again but with the jazz they just swing it around and just the defense just doesn't know what's going on they're just looking all around with the ball swinging basically every which way and then at one point one man's going to lose uh lose who he's guarding and then it's just going to be a wide open wide open shot for them and i think that's one thing that a lot of people need to appreciate too is because you don't really see that too much and they're really bringing that back and they're showing why that's one of the main reasons why they're or not one of the main reasons but showing that 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 type of basketball still wins basketball games. Yeah, not seeing a individualized superstar-led team playing so well to me just gives me great joy because I I hate the, the 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 narrative that you need to buy out superstars to win games and make playoffs because there's teams like the Jazz and like the Nuggets and these other teams like the Heat who don't necessarily have a bona fide superstar to lead you to the promised land and that just really makes basketball to me a lot better but I mean they've they've been Utah's just been on a on a roll I mean beating the 76ers um during their their last game on Monday by 11 beating the Heat by almost 30 the Bucks by 14 the the Celtics by 14, a good defensive Pacers team. They outgritted them, and then um, they. I know they played the the Pistons during that stretch. I believe their only loss to was the Nuggets. Ha ha. 
Just Nuggets. kidding. That was that's their only loss in the last eighteen or nineteen games that it's been now. It's such a long streak like they've been. And they also did have that I believe they had a postponed against uh, Washington when they had COVID, but still they've been red hot and they've beaten a lot of good quality teams. I know the Pistons are in there, but there's other good quality teams. So but the Pistons haven't been bad right now. That's frankly like this is the most fun losing team that I've ever had the privilege of watching team. in NBA basketball. <laughs> really? I don't know. I haven't really been seeing They're too awesome. much. Of, I haven't great. really been seeing too much of the Pistons so far. Okay, so. take it with a grain of salt. Like, awesome is 8-19 eight and, eight, eight and is awesome to watch. But when you look at a team that's 8-19 and 19 on paper and you watch them play, they play hard for 48 minutes every single night regardless who they play. Like, the Pistons can be that team like later on near the playoffs where they will ruin some teams seasons and ruin some teams seating because they they can play up to anybody it seems like and this season they've proved that we're like out count time and time again like we beat the lakers and we took them the double ot at the staples center we beat the brooklyn nets okay yeah they only had Two other superstars, but it's it, but we still beat them. Yeah, like, we, we still beat them. We beat the Heat. It's like, not just the superstars that do all the work. I mean, they still have yeah, a lot of guys that fill in. Yeah, we've played we've played Milwaukee competitively. I believe all three times this year. Well, one of them, maybe not so much. We've beaten Boston um, multiple times now this year. We beat the Pelicans on Sunday, and um, we were supposed to play uh, San Antonio last night, but that that got postponed because Spurs are in COVID protocol now but instead we get to play Chicago tonight at 8 p.m. so that should be a game that I'm looking forward to us definitely having a good shot of winning just because the the the, the Bulls are kind of still trying to figure out their identity a little bit they got Zach Levine they got um and Markinen is supposed to be back soon he was supposed to be back a little while ago and then he kind of came back and eh, it's kind of a weird situation with yeah Markinen, he's kind of been iffy a little bit yeah Wendell, too- Wendell Carter is coming back too so there's a lot of um, um, moving pieces is basically what I, what I was trying to make mm-hmm. the point of is like there's gonna be a lot of um, there's gonna be a lot of teams that are like still trying to figure out their situation. They got guys on injury, but it's definitely gonna be interesting, especially when you got a long, a pretty quick week, month of February coming up. I mean, there's only two weeks pretty much left of February, and it's only about eight games, and it's gonna be gone like that, and then boom, not necessarily college basketball, but March Madness. Yeah, it's gonna be, gonna it's, be crazy. gonna be it's gonna be a a very fast, very quick season that's gonna be coming up. But uh, another basically like the final game that I thought was pretty interesting uh, interesting to watch yesterday was Nets and Suns, uh, one twenty eight to one twenty four, very close game. Uh, Suns have been really showing out so far. I think the combo with Devin Booker and uh, CP three have really been working for them. They finally found someone to really compliment uh, D book. Uh, which has just been kind of the struggle for them because they've been a really solid team. I mean, they came into the bubble last year. What was it, eight and zero or ten and zero or something like that? They're one. Of, they're the best team in basketball, NBA, I should say, speaking, since the bubble. They've had the best record of any team, considering the Jazz's run in, from the bubble time. Like that's yeah. how great they've been, and especially since they've just been terrible. I mean, last year I think Barrett and Travis had a bet if like the Phoenix, if the Suns would actually the make Suns, the playoffs. Uh, the like, Spurs, yeah, yeah, the Suns are basically like it's Oof. it's 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 nice to see, especially since now like they've they finally kind of found something that works for them. They've really started to hit their stride, and I think just that the, the the team chemistry is doing a lot better. But I mean, when you face off against Brooklyn, who has three superstars, it's going to be tough to tough to beat. Um, but I mean, last 
Last night, though, only James Harden played out of the three superstars. No, Kyrie played Kyrie too. Kyrie played too? Kyrie oh, played too. The, Durant he's not on the stat play. sheet. Yeah, but um, it was... Or I'm pretty sure he played. Yeah, he's not on the stat sheet, so I don't I don't know if he did. What? But like, regardless, I mean, that the Nets should be happy that just with James Harden... I mean, the, the fact of the matter is the people that watch this game know that the Suns were winning by over 20 points at one point in this game. They were, at, they were dominating the Nets, and then the Nets pulled a miraculous comeback and pulled it back and won the game. But it was... That's... That's so crazy to me that, like the the out of all the teams that have been doing so well, how many so good things? Like, just looking over the Suns every single time has something that I'll admit I've done, and it's just like crazy that they're doing so well because, like, again, they're showing the narrative. Like, you don't need all these superstars now. Granted, they have Chris Paul, but still, is Chris Paul on the same level as Kevin Durant, and LeBron James? Not really. I would say it's probably a close second tier. But, I mean, the fact is the Suns have still been a great basketball team, and they still got they got yeah. a great thing going. They have basically the same record as Brooklyn. Yeah, they're 17 and 10. I believe Brooklyn's 18 and 12. 12, 12 yeah. Um, but, like, it was crazy. I mean, you got to give credit to the Nets because I believe they were down by 21 at halftime. Came back, pulled the comeback, comeback soundtrack, win that game. Harden had twenty or had thirty eight points, I believe. Uh, yeah, thirty eight points. Like he was just, I mean, coming back from twenty four points is something that's nearly impossible to do, and they did that. And it just shows you that the Suns are no tough task. That that is a for sure. That's a ten four true right there. I guess Kurt Kyrie didn't play, did he? I don't I, know. If I he haven't did. seen so. Well, I could have sworn he did, but I guess I I just are they injured? I don't know. Maybe I just saw something. A, a Are they highlight just taking the day off? Where he was in the game for some reason. I don't know. Very interesting. It's been. I don't. I don't know. I guess I just blanked. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just totally missed the fact he wasn't playing. I guess. <laughs> but either way, without even Kyrie, that just makes it more impressive. But giving Harden back his workload, I'm sure was something he probably thoroughly enjoyed for a little bit, getting able to to really have the volume. But you gotta you gotta give him credit. Being able to back off the workload, be the assist man, is something that James Harden's really taken a a full grasping of in yeah. Brooklyn and has done a fantastic job of that. I mean, he had. 11 assists he's leading the NBA in assists right now just a really really crazy crazy change of events and he's really done a great job yeah definitely and I mean uh, last game to talk about today uh, Raptors and Bucks they played uh, last night 124 to 113 Raptors get the W Bucks have kind of been not playing super well I mean Raptors too they both are about 500 uh, but the Bucks kind of got to pick it up if they want to really make a run uh, for the East and for the championship this year. But nonetheless, pretty good game. Uh, I mean, Fred Van Vliet basically has really started to kind of actually win into a a leadership role, I guess, for, for the Raptors. He's kind of been able to become their best player. And then Pascal Siakam's kind of started to take that uh, secondary role, even though we kind of thought it was going to be flip-flopped when, uh, when uh, Kawhi left. Uh, I thought it was kind of... Pascal was going to take it over, especially since he's been kind of playing very well. But nonetheless, Fred Van Vliet played very well. Um, Giannis, Giannis, I mean, he's basically the only one that's been able to really have any type of production uh, for the Bucks so far this year. I mean, everybody else had... I mean, Pat Kanon had 20 points, but Giannis and him were basically the only ones that were able to produce uh, for most of the game. But what were your thoughts, Brandon? Uh, I know Chris Middleton had a an iffy night 
uh, he struggled really. I think he was four of eight total. But when you get a guy like Chris Middleton, you keep him around and you pay him, like there you're gonna have to expect volume from him every night. And only getting four shots to drop is something. Like Chris Middleton has been a borderline All Star candidate, if not All Star player caliber every single year it seems like and it's just it's just been a struggle to not see him succeed especially against the Raptors it's just kind of been a tough time and I mean you got to give some credit to the the Raptors and Fred Van Vliet for stepping up to the task and beating a really good Bucks team I think the Raptors I think with the the loss of Kawhi and not doing as good, they're really getting kind of rode off. But I mean, they're still a really good team. They they still got a lot of good pieces. OG Anobi or Anubi, yeah. Um, you got Fred Van Vliet there. You got a lot of great pieces there that you can use to really make a team like the Suns or like the uh, Jazz that are really team oriented and make a run. And then you got uh, you got like Kyle Lowry is there that can take over some games if needed. So it's really just a, a fun a fun scenario for the Ra- or for the Raptors to get a win against a good Bucks team and be able to play them again on Thursday and you're going to have that momentum and confidence roll over and hopefully try to get a sweep because that'd be a really really nice sweep if you're Toronto you can beat a good Bucks team twice yeah and start to kind of put up a put up a season where you can get over 500 and kind of tar- start to turn around yeah but um to end out the show um. Two MV3s in one episode. What? Wait, yeah, that's what. That's right. What? So this time in the NBA, we're gonna go top three NBA centers. It's top centers. My question is: Does that mean that they're a registered center or hypothetically a center? Hy- I say hypothetically a center. Hypothetically because there's, a center. There's a lot of there's a lot of guys who definitely take on the center role but they're just classified as somebody as a different position yeah like anthony anthony davis i think i I think anthony davis is definitely a center type caliber player it's just that they have javel mcgee there but anthony davis does definitely work more you mean marcus all marcus all i apologize javel mcgee is now with the Cavs. yeah my bad having a fun time over there i should know sports better but (laughs) it's okay we all we all make mistakes hey you know but regardless yeah anthony davis definitely plays like a center but it's just he's He's po- he's classified as a as a not a guard but a forward. Yes. Okay. I see where you're going there. Okay. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Same structure. Um. Ah. Uh, I should I start this time? You can go first. I'm gonna start this time. Ooh, this is tough. I know. I know why you thought about three um, to one. I think. I think you know why I asked that question because is Anthony Davis a center? That would that be a good question. Yeah. Um. Ew, this is a tough one for me because I I like a lot of the centers in the NBA. I, I really do. Joel Embiid, number three on my number list. Number three? Yep. I, I, the inconsistency is the reason why he's not above. That that to yeah. me is just too hard to, to really get past because he's an MVP caliber player. He's probably the MVP front runner right now in the NBA. Like He's been flat out dominant in the paint and really been able to carry that... 40, or, did I just say 49ers? <laughs> I just said 49ers. See, Joe, look, we I can talk sports Brand's better. Brand's tired. Too. He had he had a he had a cross workout this morning. I so. had I had a workout this morning, but you know what? It's fine. I'm just gonna move on. Like it never happened. I'm just gonna go to bed after this. But anyway, now at the task at hand, number Edit three, Joel Embiid, because of the inconsistencies. There you go. I'd agree with that. I mean, he's not my number three, but like, I mean, he is one of the most athletic centers I think in the NBA. He's been able to really kind of work, especially because he's what. 
seven or he's over seven feet or is he just six eleven? Uh, I think he's six eleven technically. I Either mean, way, that much that how much, much variance is there really? Yeah, I it's mean just it's really the number that. that's the big but difference. But that much body that you gotta move around and kind of really work around that's very impressive because there's times where he's he's does he does stuff where he looks like he just has in total control of his body and to have that much and to be that tall that's not an easy task to do but yeah averaging 27 and 13 in the the 2019 season mm-hmm. like he was a flat-out monster and he's even doing those type of caliber things this year too which has made him a front runner but yeah so he's not in your, is he not in your top three is he not number three i guess we'll have to find uh, out he's not number three okay i think my number three is Carl Anthony Towns. Really? Yeah. Okay. For the main reason, because he was injured, I'm pretty sure. He was out for a while yep. this season. And he's finally come back. First game back, he really showed out. And I think one of the main reasons why Minnesota had a chance, a possible chance of beating the Lakers, was because of Carl Anthony Towns. And the past couple of years, he I feel like he just hasn't had that right fit of beat a point guard. Beat the Lakers? Guard. Almost beat the Lakers. Oh. They, were, they lost by eight points. Yeah. I Yeah. Okay. I, I see where you're going with this. Okay. Keep yeah. going. But I just feel once he gets a solid pairing, I feel like he'll that's really when he's going to be able to step into his stride because Minnesota really doesn't have, other than Anthony Edwards that they just picked up, and I mean Ricky Rubio as well, but they don't really have a, that very big superstar caliber like a lot of these other centers, cent, centers, centers have to pair with them. Because, I mean, Joel Embiid, he has Ben Simmons. Uh, I mean, Anthony Davis, he has LeBron and Dennis Schroeder and all these other people that are in Lakers because Lakers just have an insane amount of money that you can just buy whoever. But that's the one reason why I chose Carl Anthony Towns because although he's not the main choice for a lot of people, I feel like he's definitely at that caliber. It's just he hasn't had someone to pair with. Okay, that's fair. I he's not my top three, but I I, respe- I respect that that analysis because it's re- in reality without Carl Anthony Towns, the Timberwolves would be garbage. Owen thirty eight right now probably just because he's been. I mean you throw you can throw some credit in, but now they don't have D'Lo, so now we're really gonna see how good Cat is. But yeah, that's the one thing is because now that he's come back, I feel like he's really starting. Yeah, we'll he did s- come out hot. It's just what's gonna. Well, yeah, we'll now. see his true colors in the season. Uh, number two. Oh boy, let, let me let me tell you about this guy. Who's your number two, Brandon? Nikola Jokic, and I want to put him. He's at your w- number two. He's my number two. I want to put him at one really bad, but you had to get me with the hypothetical thing because, and in reality, to me, Anthony Davis is just a, a little bit of a better player than Jokic. I love Jokic's skill set. I I he's my favorite center just because, once again, the skill set, the ability to pass, the ability to score. It's such a great, great thing to have as a center. We don't see that a lot. And the fact is, he's one of the best offensive players in the game of basketball, regardless of position. His ability to score, pass, he's an all-around dream center that you've always wanted to have on your team. And, I mean, he's just been great. He's been, I think, the one thing that just keeps me out of putting him at number one, uh, his three-point percentage is down, and... His defense is a little bit shaky, which is why Anthony Davis gets my number one because he's one of the best lockdown defenders at the five position, can score, do a lot of different things, and he doesn't necessarily have to use... He, can, I mean, Anthony Davis, can he can do a lot of great things in the post and score. He can also do a little bit of passing as well. I think you don't see it as much because 
they have LeBron James, who does all yeah. about everything as far as distributing the basketball. But I think with the just the lockdown ability to score in the paint and defense, that consistent level of play year after year puts Anthony Davis at my number one. But it is, I'm telling you, you can't see it because this it's is a, the it's podcast. A hair. It's a hair. But it is very, like, my fingers are almost touching each other. It's that close. I mean, you could flop, flip-flop those two, which I'm assuming that's what you did. Am I, I right? was just about to say, yeah, that's what I did okay. as well. because That's completely Jokic, I feel like they both have two different skill sets because I feel like Jokic is a more facilitator. Mm-hmm. when With the game, he's able to pass exactly, a little yep. bit more. But that's the one thing I don't think... But you gotta kind of take what take what do you think is more important? For me, I think facilitating is more important than being able to take take over the game because I think facilitating, when it comes down to it, that's when you're gonna be able to kind of spread out the ball a little bit more, and you're gonna give, you're not just gonna give the ball to one guy. You can kind of spread it out a little bit, and I think with. Well, I know. And Anthony Davis, he can able to take over the game. I mean, same with Nikola Jokic, he can take over as well. But I think if you give him the ball with ten seconds left, then he has to really score I don't he'll be able to do it I just think like I said facilitating is better than uh kind of doing it all yourself I guess but like I said it's I'm saying with you it's very close I feel like just on any given day I could flip-flop my feelings but today it's just Nicole is just a little bit better yeah I I think with um I mean the point of facilitating it's a great point I just think that like when it comes down to um being a being in those last last minute games in the bubble, like there were some times he came up clutch. That's that's true, but he wasn't necessarily the guy they went to when they wanted to close out games. And when you need a superstar and you have a number one player in the league and number one on your team, you're giving him the ball at the end of the game because you want to seal the W. Yeah. And I think that's why Anthony. I think Anthony Davis. We saw that in New Orleans more than on the Lakers, obviously, because they got LeBron James for crying out loud. But the the abilities for him to be a lockdown post interior def- and he can he can play defense on the perimeter as yeah. well like he can he just a does a great job yeah. i think that level high intense level of consistent defense is what puts me a little bit over the top yeah. because jokic is great but he's not a rudy gobert in the paint yeah no they well they both have like two very different i mean i guess you could say skill sets oh, because yeah. jokic is definitely i mean he's if you watch him play he's not very fast like he's a very he's a technical player, but he's not fast. I feel like Anthony Davis definitely has more explosive abilities and kind of get past people a little bit more. But because Jokic can really use his mind and fake people out to his advantages, that's why I think uh, it's just a little bit better because he can kind of use his di- I, not disabilities, but use his disadvantage to his advantage because now. Like when uh, players are really going on, he can either pass it off, he can either do like a little fake move and get to the basket, or he can really move it around. And I mean, there's times that we see when they have those, they're just like the Jazz when they pass around. They're able to really move it around, and he's kind of one of the main guys that they pass to to get that going. And I think that's one of the main things. But, you know, like I said, today is probably Nikola Jokic, tomorrow will probably be Anthony Davis. Yeah, those two are pretty interchangeable. I was surprised that you had. I think I think Cat's a great. I Cat's my number four. I was just surprised that you picked him at number three. Not saying like it was like shocking or wrong or anything. I was just surprised. I thought you were, I thought you were more of a an Embiid type of guy. But I guess you learn stuff about your co-host every day. I was gonna say I was gonna say Embiid, but the reason I didn't was because I just his. I don't think he just has the ability to take like take off in the playoffs because I mean yeah that's that's his only knock to me yeah because we saw him. 
who did they lose to in the playoffs? Oh yeah, they lost the Raptors. Like when he when he could have had chances to take over against the Raptors in that final game, <laughs> he folded. He folded and he really didn't take off. And then he was like, kind of, he was sad about it, which is like, I mean, whatever. But it's like that was kind of your chance to really prove to people who are doubters that okay, I'm the real deal. Like I can do stuff. Yeah, I it, to me. You have Carl Anthony Towns show that he can be that playoff player. Yeah, then you could convince me to play him over. Um, yeah, Carl, I, I just don't th- think he has, he hasn't had that chance yet. Exactly my point. But but I um, think when he gets that chance, he'll be able to show everybody for sure. But that's going to be the show today. Let us know in our social media feed which top threes are better. I mean, I personally think it's mine, but Joe, no comment. I was taking a sip of water, but oh, I think it's mine. Oh, okay. No, I, I knew you that. Had to I start, just, you had to start right when I took the sip of water. It's all playing show business, baby. I'm just joking with you. Anyway, don't forget to follow us and subscribe to the podcast. Another great episode. And tune in on Monday. Don't forget, don't forget, NFL Mock Draft, Bulldog Radio Edition 1.0 on Monday here on the MBSP, wherever you get your podcast. So until then, we'll see you later. Bye, everybody. Take care.